Welcome to the Broken Pencil Booking Company Pro Wrestling Podcast and radio show infused with hip hop. I am Wood. Made daily. With organic, farm to table, localized, neuralized, sterilized, scotch guarded for 2020 repellent, available online, shipped via Amazon, not available on Sundays, but now available on thebeastradio.com. Broken pencil logic. You stay classy, Internet. I'm Suave Burgundy. Wow. We get on video. And I would say this is a heel turn, but it's not because it's at the end of the day. It's still a whole lot of fucking game shit. Yep. Whole lot of that. Tony Snow is back with us once again. He, that man is on the, he's, he's on the road to greatness, Swaff. Today, today is Friday, April the 14th. Yeah, my Lord. Yeah, my Lord. I said, yeah, my Lord. Yeah, my Lord. 20 and 20. Tree! Wiggle wee convenient. Bring me your dinner bucket. <laughs> Let the church say. Hey, man. My man. Snow, how you been, my man? What's good? What's good? I am back. That's right. And why am I back? Because you can't ban the snowman. Ever. You can't do it. You can't do it. You know, it's funny because so many people, especially in my circle of influence in the world of pro wrestling, they keep using this term heel turn. I'm not familiar with this term. This term. I'm not, I don't know what you're talking about. The heels of both of my shoes are the same way they were months ago. On top of that, Everyone keeps saying, what's this character? Why are you acting so mean? I, I hate to tell the public at, at, at large, but the character was what you saw in the first 40 years of my life when I had to pretend like I actually liked you people. This is the real Tony Snow, and it took Mr. Theodore Rufus long to get that out of me. So, I don't know. Hey, Roof. What the heel turn? What's this all about? <laughs> Tony Snow, I don't know if it's your lighting or you've been back in the archives watching a lot of tape, but you're starting to resemble Gary Hart a little bit. Listen! Well, hey, <laughs> I, will take that, I will take that as a compliment uh, because Playboy Gary Hart was very influential on the career of my mentor, Teddy Long. We just and did the 23andMe tournament, but I, I don't you know. Might, I got some Q-tips, man. You might want to send something in. Yeah, I've, I've, actually, uh, I've actually started doing something that Gary Hart used to do and that Gary Hart got Teddy to do when he was managing. Uh, And Teddy still has it. Gary Hart actually fashioned a nice little shiv, uh, a handheld blade with a a handle. And uh, and he gave that to Teddy. And he said, if any of these, you know, mother effers mess with you out there, then you just stab them. And so in my, you know, my fledgling management career, which I'll admit that, I just got out of training not long ago. I'm not seasoned yet. But I've had a few different people, um, especially what people refer to as good guys, try to take liberties with me. And so already in my career, I've broken broken one walking stick across somebody's ribs. Um, The ribs? I I swung like Shote Otani and I broke a walking stick right across this guy's rib cage because he put his scrawny hands on it. And you don't do that. You don't touch Tony Snow. And so um, I, I broke a cane, and when I had to tell Teddy I broke the cane, 
then he let me in on on the Gary Hart tech. So um so yeah, I've got a really <laughs> not that it's technology though. <laughs> Gems for everybody. Oh no, shit! They're gonna learn, man. You don't touch Tony Snow. Like I am not. I am not a wrestler. I I am too good to have these overgrown uh, you know behemoths of men put their sweaty hands on me. Uh, I have a plan in place, and I hire pro wrestlers to help me execute that plan. They do all the work, and I get all the glory, and that's how it's supposed to. Be. Let me let me tell you something. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna rewind here in a second. But before you started off on this management endeavor of yours, I told you if you needed any help in the haberdashery department, I got you. Whether it be help with the ties, help with the the, the jackets, the, the anything with the ensemble. I had you faded. You haven't called me once and you have not let me down. And right now, chef's kiss for the vest and the tie combination. And of course, you got to wear black with that, man. Just, man, just hold, hold on. I mean, I mean, I mean, when my trainer is Teddy Long, tell me another personality in the history of pro wrestling that looked better doing what he was doing than the original player, Teddy Long. You're not going to find anybody. I mean, come on. He plugged me in with this suit guy. I literally have about 12 different three-piece suits now, and they're all interchangeable. So with all the combinations, I got I can step out about 30 shows looking fresh. That's like 144 different flavors here. That's like it's like some Wu Tang with the Wallabies. You got the dip the blue and the cream. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ray Wallabies so proud. Wallabies nowadays. They don't know about them Wallabies. What are you talking about? Hey, so if 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 Teddy can do indie shows wearing suits with the flyest of Jays. You can bring back the Clarks because I don't think I've ever seen a manager in wrestling wear Clarks, and you got the hip hop I'll, pedigree to back you up. I'll do it, man. I'll be the first one. I'll, some Clarks or some Stacy Adams or something, man. Let's go. <laughs> he said the Stacys. That we don't want. We don't want you. That, that you're, you're one degree removed from do rag if you if you rock some Stacys out there with the, with the ensembles you've had on. Hey, man. Look at <laughs> when he was a manager. Teddy Long brought the do rag to pro wrestling. What you talking about? Right, right I'll on. Do it. Cause then you'll end up with a bottle of MD twenty twenty in your back pocket, and I can't watch you go out like that. That's a fact. <laughs> That's a fact. You you've been uh, you've been missing in action from the show for really since about the top of the year, and uh, you've been on this manager endeavor. Uh, where where have you been? Because you you got a couple of different territories that you're hitting up on a regular basis now, and you're starting to make quite the name for yourself. And I, I, I mean, where the game goes, the game goes. And I dare say that wherever you go, it's a whole lot of fucking gang shit. So, like, where where have you been on this on this journey so far? Well, um, the first wrestling company that I started working for, um, they're out of Tulsa, uh, WFC Wrestling for a Cause. And um, I, I want to shout out these guys. First of all, first and foremost, the owner of their company, uh, Tim Rockwell, when uh, I, I met this guy, you know, on the hip hop side of things back during the pandemic year. Everyone was stuck inside. Everyone wanted stuff to do. So I started putting together a mixtape. You know, what did DJs do when they're bored and got nothing to do? We put together mixtapes. They go live and do mixtapes. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm still getting I'm still getting flags on YouTube from Universal Music Group and other stuff from all my live sessions during the pandemic. Don't like get me started. I, bro. <laughs> oh, they are good. They know me. 
They know, <laughs> know me you when it comes man, to flagging. Bro. Oh my god! This man got this man got flagged for his own music. But anyway, continue. So, um, so the owner of WFC, he's a, a, a rapper. He's been rapping his whole life. He had a studio in his in his house when he was a kid. And so he hit me up for a submission to this mixtape. And it's funny, like he tells this story all the time. I I rejected his submission um, because it just didn't fit the project that I was putting together. It wasn't bad. It's just like, you guys are both DJs. Like, I'm not going to sit there. Then this is just, this is just an example. Like if you're, if you got a mix going, you're not going to go from NBA young boy to Twilight Paris. It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? This was just going from one sound to another. Like I had all these smooth, like chill smoking songs. And then this was just kind of an in-your-face, you know, this is what's going on, I'm this dude type stuff. And so I respectfully turned them down. And then as I started my career in production and 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 other things, um, he would hit me up and say, yo, man, I really want to book you to do something. And, and I try to pride myself, if I'm going to work in a field, I try to be the most versatile person in that field. You guys talk about it all the time. We're the two most important abilities in pro wrestling, availability and reliability. And so I wanted to be at a spot where if I show up to a show and they need something, then I could fill that need no matter what it was. You need someone to play music, I got you. You need someone to to uh, do the smoke machines, I got you. You need someone to work lights, I got you. You need a order runner, I got you. You need someone to go pick up food from the gas station I got you need someone to put the ring together I got you I'll do whatever I got to do just to get involved and get a look you know and so um I met Teddy a couple years ago and he saw something in me I didn't even see in myself I was I kept saying you know productions the farthest I'm ever going to get in pro wrestling so I'm just going to do it to the best of my ability and he got me thinking bigger. He got me in the gym. I dropped 80 pounds. He taught me how to ring announce. He taught me how to hold the microphone in pro wrestling. He taught me how to talk and how to walk and how to enter the ring and just how to do everything. Like he started out like I knew absolutely nothing about pro wrestling. And at first I took that as kind of an insult because I was like eight years into this, six years into it. And then I started training and I got on the other side of the curtain and got in locker rooms. And that's when I realized that I knew absolutely nothing about pro wrestling. Everything that I thought I knew about pro wrestling was all stuff that I come conclusions I come to being a smart mark sitting on the couch. And so I got, you know, a, a wake up call right away and decided to use the whole mindset. I know absolutely nothing. I'm just going to go in trying to learn everything I can. And that transferred into an opportunity to do commentary and then to do ring announcing. And then, uh, you know, when when Tim hit me up, hey, I, I'm serious. I want to bring you into WFC. I said, OK, well, in what capacity? And I'm thinking, you know, music or commentary or ring announcing. And at this time, I was about seven months in on my management training. So that wasn't in the forefront of my mind yet. But he was like, I'm thinking a manager. I need a good manager. And I was like, you know, it's funny you say that <laughs> because I'm about to graduate training. And uh, and so WFC was my first position as an on-screen talent, uh, as management. And I love it up there, man. The company is great. Um, all the, 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 the proceeds, the profit from every event. And I've seen the books. They've been on the news about this. 
every event, once the event happens, all the costs are taken away, the talent's paid, the building's taken care of, all the profit goes towards uh, childhood cancer, whether it is, and it's usually a certain a certain family or a certain child. The shows, there's like, uh, the, the most recent one we had was Wrestleland 2, the fight for Luke. There's this little boy named Luke, he's like five years old, and he's dealing with an incredible type of cancer. His immune system's not even really there, so he couldn't even be at the event. They did a little, they recorded a video and had him talk to the fans. But his family was there, and the appreciation in these people's faces, like, they need help more now than they've ever needed it from anywhere else. And the fact that a pro wrestling company is coming to their aid and giving them money so they can travel to get treatment for their kid and help make him more comfortable while he's fighting for his life, <coughs> I think that's awesome. Um, and Absolutely. So it's, it's, a great, it's a great cause. You know, WFC stands for Wrestling for Cause. <coughs> and I'll make no bones about it. Since I've come on, business is booming, man. Um, there's a ton of eyes on the product up there. I've gotten a lot of crossover appeal. Uh, the local ABC News Channel 8, the last three months, they've featured us on their morning show. They've come out to the show. Shouts out to KTUL. Even had the local weatherman in Tulsa, uh, Bud Ford, was the host of the show last week. Uh, so we're getting a lot of a lot of backing from the community. And the best thing of, about wrestling for a cause, the thing that I love the most about it is I manage the heavyweight champion. That's right, the Luxembourg Beast, the WFC heavyweight champion, Dirty Dutch Haven. I'm his manager. I am the hand of the king. I'm his trusted consultant. And he hasn't lost a match with me in his corner. And it's going to stay that way. So it, it goes without saying that if he is the world heavyweight champion, then you guys are the world heavyweight champion. Well, yeah, I mean, it's my title. <laughs> I just don't want to mess up my suit, you know, defending it. Come on. Look, look, you can go, you can go on IWTV, independentwrestling.tv, and you can sign up and you can watch the WFC episodes. They show them on local TV up there and they broadcast them on IW, on independent wrestling TV. And most of the time when you see that WFC heavyweight championship, it's over my shoulder. Okay, I'm the one pulling the strings. It's Tony Snow's title. Dutch Hagen is just a tool that I use to keep it. Uh, and and it's, it's the truth, man. Like, uh, my my men in my faction, I have a tag team of veterans, Diamond Duke and Handsome Jack. They've been around for 25 years apiece. I've got an incredible young boy who is who's fresh into this thing, but he's got so much passion and enthusiasm. He's got the look and he's got the ability. He's a future world champion. But when it comes down to it, guys, they're just tools for me. They're a means to an end. I want every championship in the world of pro wrestling i want to do what everyone my entire life told me i couldn't do and that is hold these titles and i'm gonna have them one way or another there it is so <clears throat> you text me i want to say it was i think it was monday of this week and all i saw was dragon ball z what in the entire hell this Dragon Ball Z have to do with professional wrestling, especially in Oklahoma. Exactly. This is actually in Texas. Okay, close. Even, even okay, close, closer to home. Cool. Which makes it even more ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So okay, so there's this guy, and you know, and and most pro wrestling rants and tirades start out with "There's this guy." Um, 
Uh, you know, where's where's the? Can you hit me with trips? Here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. There we go. Tell him when to stop cranking the cheese wheel. You know? Yeah, you know, uh, I'll tell you when I have enough cheese in my soup. Okay, this is Zappa Toscana, and I want all the cheese in the world in this thing. All right. Epa. Epa. So, uh, so yeah, there's this guy. His name's Josh Martin, and uh, he's, you know, I'll, I'll give it to him. He's a hustler. He does a lot, and he's done a lot. He's got a 30-year career in show business as an actor. He's a voice actor. Uh, he voices Majin Buu, Kid Buu, Android 15, all from Dragon Ball Z, and that's where his most obnoxious fan base is. Uh, but he's also in like a premier tribute band. He's in the Beastie Boys tribute band called Rhyming and Stealing. That's where I first met him. Dope name, uh, for, and by the he way. Also, he also played Barney. He was Barney for a while. He was the goof in the big purple suit. It uh, does some, okay. Which I mean, and that that opens up a whole nother can, Josh Martin, because you told me and millions of other children that if I love you, then you love me and we'd be a happy family. And that's obviously not true, you big purple bitch. Anyway, so, um, I, like I went out and I saw that's him. Another deadbeat dinosaur. Uh, yeah, deadbeat dinosaur. Anyway, so. He got, he got, he got summer jam pictures on on the the screen right now. Go ahead, don't slow. (laughs) This is all a true story, man. You can bet all this shit, okay? Um, It was December of 2014. I went to the House of Blues the day after Christmas, and I saw his group rhyming and stealing. Now, I was somewhat new to town. I moved to DFW 2012, 2013 still getting established you know i was getting a whole lot of hate just like i'm getting right now from people that don't know me and don't know my history you know i'm a screwed up click affiliate swab burgundy knows about my pedigree daniel knows about my pedigree y'all know who i've worked with and who i've been around and yet all these freaking goofs in the north texas hip-hop scene didn't want anything to do with me because they didn't know who i was they hadn't worked with me I'm not one of these glory hounds that has to be the center of attention. When I was in the studio with all these legends in Texas, I wasn't posting about it. I wasn't one of these fake goofs that's on the internet every year at South by Southwest taking a picture with Jadakiss and he's barely in the picture and he's looking the other direction, but you're going to post it and say, that's my boy Kiss and we working on some heat. Boy, I, we talk, I talk about that all the time. Ooh. Back in the day, my my back in the day one of my ogs that i worked for when i did stand up shaquille o'neal shaq diesel he told the whole world you don't fake the funk on a nasty dump all right all right i ain't about no faking okay like there ain't nothing fake about this guy and so i'm trying to network i walk up to this josh martin guy i give him my business card hey i'm a dj you're a hip-hop head we have personal mutual friends and they told me to link up with you and you know what he did he looked at my card, okay, great, put it in his pocket, and then directed his attention back to the lot lizard that he was trying to get home at. <laughs> he totally and completely blew me off, okay? Blew me off. You caught him in the middle of an acquisition. And so, years pass, days so, so go forward, time goes on, as they say, time goes on, time waits for no man, and I would see him at events. My dude, Steven Haas, that does my graphic design. He does work for this guy for his little stupid anime conventions where all these Dragon Ball Z fans pop hard-ons to get a picture with him. 
Like, so I saw, I ran into him at Steven's birthday and he blew me off again there. I'm sitting there with a freaking joint trying to smoke with a guy. When you're a stoner like me, offering somebody the sacred herb is the biggest, biggest compliment in the world you can give them. And he blew me off and blamed it on COVID. And so get this, as soon, as soon as I got done with my training with Teddy, as soon as I started posting this stuff, I'm sorry, as soon as people started posting about me. COVID, you crafty when bastard. When you're a star, you don't got to talk about yourself. Enough people talk about you for you. And so when the news started breaking, when all these pictures of me looking as only I can look and doing as only what I can do in WFC started hitting the internet, guess who's in my inbox? Little Barney boy, this little pink scumbag, Josh Martin, is in my inbox wanting to get involved. Hey, I want to do, do a meet and greet at one of your wrestling matches. Like, I hate it when people call it that. It's a wrestling show. There are matches in the show. Like, I don't, it's not, you're not going to a wrestling match. You're going to a wrestling show and matches happen. Anyway, he's like, yeah, I'd love to come do a meet and greet at your little wrestling match. He's like, and while I'm at it, I'd love to be involved. Maybe I can slap someone or somebody. Okay, you know what, Barney? Wait a minute. Yeah, he wanted to be involved. He's trying to get outside. (laughs) Easy. (laughs) So, obviously, this is one of those scumbag sweat hogs that doesn't realize how hard what we do really is. He thinks that just anybody can step in the ring. And so, I'm like, you know what? Okay, all right. We'll book you for a meet and greet. I'll make that happen. But I didn't tell him my ulterior motive. I booked him for a meet and greet so that I could get him where I want him and embarrass him. So here's what I did. I called this little punk out. I challenged him to a match. But here's what we're going to do. He's not going to wrestle me. I know he's not going to because he doesn't want to get hurt. I'm an intimidating guy. If you ran into me in an alleyway, you wouldn't want none of this. Go ahead and admit it. Both of y'all can admit that. You don't want none of this smoke. I mean, look at this. We're going to be on the same side anyway, so we don't have to worry about yeah, that. but I'm saying, like, it's hypothetical. You know what I mean? If we weren't gang and, you know, you guys were out partying, hitting up a pub or something for a couple of tall ones, and then afterwards you're going to your car and you take a walk and you're heading down an alley and you see this guy coming towards you, you're probably just going to turn around and walk the other way because you don't, you don't want none of this, you know? <laughs> and so I know he's not going to fight me. So we're going to do this like the old days when royalty would have would have issues. I chose my champion and I want him to choose, I want him to choose his champion. I want him to choose his representative to get in the ring and fight my representative. That's it. It's simple. It's simple. But here's the thing. I I, I sent out my promo. Here's the thing. I sent out my promo challenging him and he released one the next day. And 90% of this promo wasn't even about me. It was about him. Because with this guy, it's all about him. He's going to be doing a meet and greet. We're for his fans and his family. He's going to be taking selfies. He's going to be signing autographs. And then he got to me and he's like, yeah, Tony, uh, I don't want any drama. We're not going to do this. Just you do your thing. I'm going to no. You're not going to blow me off again, Josh. That's not how this works. This is my world that you're stepping into, okay? There's no Goku. There's no Gohan. There's no whatever the heck all these other guys are the Sauce Twins keep rapping about. None of those guys are here, okay? It's you and me and a wrestling ring and our champions. And he keeps saying he's not going to do it. But here's what's going to happen. 
if Josh Martin doesn't choose somebody, then on the 21st of this month, in the year of our Lord, 20 and 23, tree! There you we go. We convenient. Bring me your dinner bucket. There you go. Um, He's going to show up for his meet and greet, because he's a greedy little snit. He's not going to be able to turn down the money, okay? So he's going to show up for his meet and greet. If he hasn't picked somebody by then, I'm going to send my guy, Dane Griffin, the American outlaw, the stroke of death, is going to go out to Josh Martin's meet and greet table, and he's going to beat him to within an inch of his life right there in front of all his stupid things. So the choice is easy, Josh. You either talk somebody into getting beat up for you, or you get beat up yourself. That's it. Plain and simple. It doesn't get any better than that. Now you know. <laughs> so you mentioned the great Theodore R. Long, our very first BPBC Hall of Famer, and very how harsh. influential he was in or is in your career as a manager. He's always he's been influential in the last few years for you on a uh, on the commentary side, but now you're just actually stepping into the ring and on the apron and outside the ring as a second. Um. On the personal side too, I don't mean to interrupt you, but Teddy Long saved my life. That's your that's I'm saying that's that's your man hundred grand because he's your man. He's our man too. So you know, it, it, I, we can't we will never turn down an opportunity to hear you know praises of the great Teddy Long. Man, and, and it's you know, sometimes I got to sit here and pinch myself, man, because Teddy Long was trained by Dusty Rhodes. D- Dusty gave Teddy his first job, baby. Uh, Dust Dusty. Dusty had uh, Dusty would be the one making Teddy sit in on creative meetings when Teddy had no idea why. Um, Dusty taught Teddy how to hold a microphone. Dusty taught Teddy how to do promos, how to talk in the ring, how to look like a manager, how to act like one. And so my good friend Deuce Freight, he's gang. Shouts out to Deuce Freight. We were talking the other day because he's he's, man, he's making a huge splash himself on the commentary side. Deuce Freight in quick order has become one of the greatest, 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 greatest color commentators in the world of pro wrestling. He's really good. Don't don't you don't you turn on him, Tony? Because if you do, I mean, we we ought to turn on him too. (laughs) I know, right? No, 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 no. He's good. He's on my side, man. That's great if you watch if you watch this most recent footage from Texoma. Where I uh, came to my senses and 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 ganged up on Rockstar Rook Tyler, Deuce kept saying, "My boy is back. My boy is back." Um, but yeah, dude, like Deuce brought it up to me the other day. Like I'm I'm second generation Dusty Rhodes. You know what I'm saying? Like my trainer was trained by Dusty. What world do we live in? And a lot of the stuff that he tells me, that Teddy tells me, and a lot of the things he teaches me, I have three hour long training sessions with Teddy three times a week, man. Like, and, and he's hard on me. Like, people see this, this, uh, the jovial, joking around, dancing Teddy Long on TV. That ain't the Teddy Long that I do. You know, I, I, I send him every, I have to send him footage of every match I work, every promo I cut. And, and it's, it's, it's one or two responses. I'll get, a, I'll send him the, the stuff and I get a phone call right away. And it's either, now, Tony, this wasn't good at all. And he explains to me why. You don't sugarcoat nothing. Right. Or if I did something good, it's all right, that wasn't half bad. That's praise for Teddy. <laughs> when you get okay, that's not half bad, then yeah. you know you did something right. A you great can saying? never tell another person that they're great because then they have nothing to work for. 
Yeah, and you know, and 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 I know that he's not just taking my money for training me and just calling, throwing this in. Like he has a vested interest in me. And, um, and dude makes me cut five promos a day, and that's what Dusty made him do. And he's like, it don't matter what you cut it on, play. You sitting there brushing your teeth, you start talking about how that's the greatest toothpaste you've ever seen in your life, and why it's better than all the other toothpaste. <laughs> you know, when you're sitting there eating lunch, you need to talk about why you love that lunch so much, and what makes that lunch so good, and where people can find that lunch at. Like, I'm telling you, and 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 it works because whenever it comes time for me to cut a promo, I'm ready. Um, I was at a WFC last week, and they told me what they wanted from a promo. And the director said action, and I I got to work. And when my job was done, and the director said cut, with God is my witness, everyone in that locker room stood up and clapped for me. And and that's not that's not me. That's Teddy Longer clapping. Yes, because indeed. If it wasn't for Teddy, this wouldn't be happening. And so something I'm very happy about, and very proud that I was able to help facilitate and make happen. I've been up at WFC since January, and these inbred, mouth-breathing, neck-bearded sweat hogs don't appreciate what I'm doing for them. So you know what I'm doing, guys? August the 4th, Extrava Slam, that's the biggest show of the year for WFC, I'm bringing my OG to town. I'm bringing my mentor, my trainer, Teddy Long, is going to be the guest of honor and the host of Extrava Slamza. And we're gonna set every single one of these stupid, ignorant, hillbilly, redneck sweat hogs straight. We're gonna put them in their place, and Teddy's gonna help me do it. I can't wait. It's gonna be beautiful. Well, I mean, no better time to do this than now. We've talked about DJs being on here. You got three DJs right here. You talked about mixtapes. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the Broken Missile Booking Company Pro Wrestling Podcast and radio show infused with hip hop, and we can't have Tony Snow talking about his uh, his venture into the business officially on the talent side without incorporating a mixtape. So, you ready? You ready to do a mixtape, Tony? Let's do it, bro. I'm here. Let's go. All right, Swaz. This is Swaz Wheelhouse right here too. He gonna love this. We're gonna do a mixtape of managers. From which you've derived your your behavior from, because you 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 flipped the switch. This it's always been in you, but you flipped the switch since the last time you've been on the show. So number one, easily Teddy Long, without question. Number two was on my list before I even talked to you today. Playboy Gary Hart. Suave, this one, this one's on you. Who who we, who else we got on this mixtape, Suave? feel like there's some Bobby Heenan lurking in here somewhere. I told him that when he first started, when he told me he was going to be manager, I told him Bobby Heenan was on the list. They're like, Sweat Hog <laughs> is, is his humanoid. That's it. Sweat Hog is my humanoid. You got it, bro. Oh my bang, God. Bang, bang, bang. Bobby the Brain Heenan is one of my, he's the GOAT for me. Uh, I've got posters on my wall and action figures, and I have been compared to him. And it's great because... I haven't even, I haven't thrown any of this stuff out. People, the other day someone said that, um, you know, I was at WFC and, and they hate me so much there that they started making signs. These sweat hogs can actually spell and try to draw. And they made signs and they're holding, last show there was four anti-Tony snow signs. Mm. And so- They're, I, trying, to, they're I, trying to ban the snowman. They got to understand they can't do that. 
Where's your tolerance? I I reached for all four of these signs, man, and I was able to get one and just tear it up there in front of everybody and throw it back at this stupid kid. And uh, and afterwards, someone posted about it and said, Tony Snow is like Jim Cornette, Paul Heyman, and Bobby Heenan combined. So there's two more. Okay. All right. I'm good. I can retire now. All right. So Jim Cornette, uh, you said Paul Heyman. Yep. I mean, compared to him already. So, all right. So we got. I, I can I can see the Paulie like block cell phone Paulie. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we've got Teddy. We've got Gary Hart. We've got uh, Bobby Heenan. We've got uh, Paul Heyman, and we've got who was that? You name me one more. Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette. Any Just from the suit and the facial hair, I'm getting some uh, sinister minister James Van. Ja- yeah, James vibes. Mitchell right there. Yep, I definitely see that. Just the the snarl with the facial hair. Yeah, and the vest sets it off. The black adds and a little I, essence to I've it. I've actually already been contacted by a wrestling company who they uh, they're loving my work and comparing me to a young Jim Cornette, and they've pitched to me. They want me to bring my tag team. Uh, to go up against Carrie uh, Morton and Ricky Morton with Jim Cornette Management. Uh, this company knows Jim really well and said that they can pull this off. Mm. So that'll that, be, uh, be interesting. That would be, be quite the, the, a match, man. The, the, quite a match. The, 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 the tennis racket versus the shiv. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I can't bring it. I can't bring a shiv to the ring, so I'm sticking with the walking cane. I've got a really dope walking. But stick, you can take um, the you can take the shiv and put it in the cane. I've seen it done before. I'm not telling you. You try to get somebody detained at the airport. <laughs> uh, my cane's got a, 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 a metal raven at the top, and uh, I've always been a big Edgar Allan Poe fan, so I call my my cane Edgar. <laughs> and Edgar doesn't like sweat hogs at all. So. Quote the Raven, nevermore. Nevermore. Ah, that's good stuff. Yeah, man. Suave, we, we got anything else on the agenda? Because uh, Tony Tony can bury this entire show himself, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's go. I think we got like little minor news and notes from around the world or whatnot, but not really. We're trying to figure out how AEW's going to get. Okay, look. 90,000 people can fit in Wembley. We just need to tell, somebody needs to tell us how we get the first 50. You tell me how to get the first 50, the 90 will come, but you gotta get to 50 the first. The first 50 are gonna go just because it's wrestling in England. You think so? Um, yeah, you're, you're not, you're not the first person to say this, but it's surprising to me to hear this still. <laughs> like in that large of a number. Teddy and I were talking earlier today about this when when WWE used to go over to into Europe, they would only do one tour a year because it was so freaking expensive. Because Vince would always charter a private jet. You guys heard the whole plane ride from hell story. That was from a European tour, right? And so they would only go once a year. And those people are starving for it. England's got some of the most dedicated, some of the biggest wrestling news YouTube channels in the world are based out of England. Look at Wrestle Talk and What Culture. Yep. Like British wrestling fans are rabid, and you guys saw Clash at the Castle. That shit sold out almost immediately. So the fact that it's more live wrestling, the fact that you got big name stars that are huge over there that are gonna be back. Jeff Hardy's massive in England, and and Matt Hardy was talking on his stream a couple days ago about how Jeff's about to come back. He just had eye surgery and he's 
out of rehab. He debuted um, on Dynamite this past Wednesday. And then they're talking about or return, um, rather not debut. He returned. Um, you know, there's all the rumors that Punk might come back for for Wembley and do uh, Punk and FTR versus the Elite. They're they're not going to have any problem filling up Wembley Stadium. I can promise you guys that. Okay, I've heard a lot of confidence from people like that. I I I myself was not sure that like even Eng- even England's wrestling fandom was going to do seventy or ninety with no major draw. But everybody seems to be really confident that they're going to get this number. Yeah, and and a few different things tell me. Number one, like I said, rabid wrestling fans, captive audience. Number two. Tony Khan is so entrenched over there. Like, he's going to be doing so much promotion. He has so many connections from being the owner of Fulham Football Club in England. Like, this is pretty much a home game for the Khan family. I don't think people realize that. It was probably nothing for him to get this venue. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's it's going to be easy for them, guys. It's, I, I don't think there's going to be any problem at all. So I, I certainly hope so. The biggest issue I had was the 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 lack of I won't say main event, but stadium sellout talent on the AEW roster because you have a lot of legacy acts, you have a lot of young talent, and I am empathetically optimistic, right? Like. I don't want AEW to go over there and fail. And I don't even know what, what a failure would look like. I just know that 40,000 people in a stadium that holds 90,000 and you got the open the, the upper bowl not even remotely close to field and got it blacked out. It's, it's going to look like an AWA show from like 84 in Shea Stadium. I don't think so, man. I think if the Foo Fighters can go over to Wembley eight years ago and sell it out, then AEW can sell it out in modern day. So... Outside of FTR and, or CMFTR versus the, the as Swaff calls them the Shilit, what what matches do you or what match do you think could actually uh, knock knock the uh, the stadium on its side? Well, um, you know they're doing another Forbidden Door, right? That's so, going to be in June in Canada. All, when's All In going to be? All In is uh, the twenty seventh of August. Okay, so they're doing Forbidden Door in June. Um, so there's going to be something that happens at Forbidden Door to lead up to All In because AEW does their pay-per-views quarterly. And if and so, if there, and if there is an All Out, typically All Out would be the following weekend after All In. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be one because All Out replaced All In. Um, so what I think, seeing that in England. Uh, the Japanese stars are so huge over there. Um, a lot of New Japan talent has been the Rev Pro champion. The current Rev Pro champion is Will Ospreay, I believe, and he's a New Japan talent. Um, Suzuki, Minoru Suzuki has held that title. Zack Sabre Jr. has held that title. Tanahashi's held that title. I think it'll be a big, uh, a big New Japan talent. Uh, it'll be something like maybe Okada versus a big. You know who's who's the biggest guy AEW can offer right now? Maybe Chris Jericho and Okada. Has that ever been done? I doubt it. Something that's going to be box office for over where they're at. They don't need to do something that's going to get them pay-per-view buys or fill seats in America. Because this match, the show isn't going on in America. They're going to try to play to the audience that's going to be consuming. So I have a feeling, and this is just right now at the top of my head, that you're going to have 
Okada or, or someone like that in a, in a big feud with someone from AEW. It's going to be some type of playoff the Forbidden Door. If it's not CM Punk and then FTR and C. Which honestly, when I think, the more I think about it, they've been they've been going in such a direction to kind of split up the elite. You know, they've been doing the whole thing where where Kenny, they're obviously focusing on a singles run for him. The whole thing with Callus with splitting up him and and Hangman Page and all that. I didn't watch tonight, so I don't know what happened. Um, but yeah, I, I think someone from New Japan will be involved. It's happening right after Forbidden Door. There it is. And then, uh, of course, sound I, I, logic, sound the, logic. the news came out earlier this week that uh, I believe it's New Japan, All Japan, and there was another organization in Japan. Noah. 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 Noah are all doing a joint show in June. That's going to be absolutely insane. Yeah, because there's no other people that could pull it off. You'll never see that happen in America, especially now that Vince is back. Oh, they they tried it in the '80s. I mean, but it was it was a shit show. Um. So and and that ain't gonna happen in Mexico because AAA and CMLL have been feuding for 50 years. So the one place that could pull it off is actually pulling it off, and I think it'll be dope. You know, Japan's always. A lot of their guy, a lot of their companies haven't had issues working with each other. It's a whole different climate over there. I mean, the the the, the IWGP Women's Title hasn't even really been defended much in New Japan. It's been a stardom a stardom mainstay. That's a whole different company. Truth be told, I think that that title will only probably be defended once per quarter. Like so, like the old WWF Women's Title used to be in, in the '90s or, or even the late '80s, for that matter. And I think it adds a little bit more credence to the caliber of women that they want in those uh, in those matches for that title. Like every every match with the champion is going to be a championship match, which to me it adds more credibility to that title. And and the I've always had an appreciation for champions that are not on TV every show. Um, oh, de- oh ago, yeah, definitely. A few years ago, um, probably seven twenty seventeen twenty eighteen. Uh, Brock Lesnar was was champion, and he was never on TV. And people were bitching and complaining all the time. And at the point, the deal that he had with Vince, it was something like he got a million dollars per TV appearance and four or five million dollars per match. And so, of course, he's not going to bring him out every week. You know, he's got to pay that much. But it made it. It added more meaning to the title. It made it when the champ came around. It was a big deal. Back in the '80s, you didn't get to see Hulk Hogan every episode of Superstars. Nope. Or you know, you didn't. You didn't get to turn on Tuesday Night Titans or Primetime or WWF Primetime and see Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. Like they saved the big names for pay-per-views. You had to pay to see Hulk Hogan work. You, like when, you when damn sure didn't see on regular TV. It was like, whoa, what's going on here, guys? Yeah, you damn sure didn't don't, see Ric Flair every week. Don't give away what we can sell. Yeah, Rick Rick Flair was on, like he was on talking and, and pubbing up the company, but he may have taken like a, a like a tune up match a couple of weeks before a big show, maybe like in the Omni or or this Norfolk Norfolk Scope or somewhere like that. But you yeah, never, no, if Flair was going to wrestle on TV, it meant something, and he yeah. was doing it for a reason. Uh, one of Ric Flair's greatest uh, non-pay-per-view matches ever was on an episode of WCW Saturday Night, and he put Brian Pillman over when he was still flying Brian because he wanted to. He wanted to work with the guy, so he gave them a Ric Flair match on Saturday night at six oh five. 
I, he had a, uh, I want to say it was a time limit draw against Mike Jackson <laughs> on World Championship Wrestling. Yeah, man. So, I mean, he, you would, and, and that was the thing, man. Flair, say what you want about him, about his character. I don't like him as a person, but back in the day, man, you know, money's a hell of a motivator. Yeah, boy. He, was, he, he worked in one of those times where, you know, the, the champion would get a percentage of the, the draw of the house. And so this guy was on the road every weekend wrestling, uh, wrestling Friday night, Saturday night, and two shows on Sunday. And he went an hour every time against the best guy in the company. Uh, so you got to give it to him. But I mean, you know, he was he was making he was making the equivalency of millions of dollars a week almost back then in the 70s. But he blew it all, you know, blew all of it. Yeah, man, I was um, taking out. I, I take these trips back and uh, WWE biography on A&E kind of makes me go back and dig through some things and that the documentary they did on Dusty Rhodes like you know made me remember that even people like Bobby Heenan was uh, even managed Dusty and Dick Murdoch back in the in the late 60s when Dusty first got his start in the, in the industry and like you know people need to go back and reference not just the, the documentary because it's on there but you know YouTube's your friend like get on YouTube and, and go dig through some territories and see what you can find a lot of that stuff is lost anyway so people who put stuff on YouTube do so because they have the archives at their houses there's like there's no like Portland doesn't have a full library Memphis doesn't have a full library Stampede doesn't have a full like none of the territories have full libraries and so but you can find you can find some of the stuff out there like I said YouTube is, is your friend and then um, the WWE Network slash Peacock. They've got the cat. <laughs> Get on the cat. <laughs> um, I got you know. We talk about the Jim Cornette references. I've always been a fan of his. And uh, when I was a kid, Smoky Mountain Wrestling was big. Oh man! And yeah. Smoky Mountain is up on Peacock now. Um, and Yo, I was telling Suave a few weeks ago. People forgot that you know, on top of Smoky Mountain invading WWE, they actually had a, uh, a tie-in with WCW as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Jim's Jim's a heck of a businessman, dude. The fact that he was able to get Rick Rubin to bankroll a wrestling company. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, but and, and, look at, and look at all the people they got their start there, man. I mean, the gangsters. Come on. Um, Rest in peace, and, Jack. And, one of my favorites, he had some crazy feuds with with Jerry Lynn in Smoky Mountain. Was the Lightning Kid who became, uh, you know, X Pac One Two Three Kid, Sean Waltman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the Lightning Kid in Smoky Mountain. He was a dominant light heavyweight champion. Uh, uh, the and- the late Bullet Bob Armstrong had a had a quick quick and quiet run there. Uh, Tracy, yeah, and Tracy so did his so did his sons. Yeah, uh, the Armstrong sons there, and also it was one of the first ever. Um, first ever territories that Bruce Pritchard worked in. Bruce Pritchard worked in uh, Smoky Mountain. Uh, the the Patriot, Del Wilkes, was a dominant champion there. He had a short run in WWF and a feud with Bret Hart. Uh, there, was, there was a bunch of talent down there, man. Little known facts, you know, I don't know if you realize this or not, Bruce Pritchard is actually on credits for Mid-South back in the 80s. Oh, I, that doesn't shock me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I worked man, like, me. how young was he, though? <laughs> I see the pictures. He had long hair. <laughs> Looked like a movie star, man. He had this long brown hair, wearing a suit, baby face. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, man. We just just over here just chopping this, this good wrestling game up, man. Um, before we take this thing uh, down a little bit, Suave, you got anything else for the people? Um... 
nothing arrives to my mind as being serious enough to talk about. It's it, we're still in wait and see mode with po, you know post Endeavor sale and and looks like post re- Vince return to to previous uh, tenure. And then of course so, AEW's got this this crazy basketball workaround schedule they got going on. This is the basketball schedule they're working around is worse than WCW working around Braves games. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! I'm, I'm telling you, I bet they're ready to get off of TNT, man. I bet they're ready to find some other home. And and I mean, and they're still that that conversation has been going on for two years. Where do they go, dude? Do y'all remember? ESPN is off the table. Y'all remember back in the 90s before we had the internet and twice a year uh, you'd sit down on that faithful night and turn on Monday Night Raw and instead you'd see the Westminster Kennel Club dog show. <laughs> February. Oh, oh, it's all second Monday in February, like clockwork. <laughs> Westminster made it into a bar for me. I didn't know that shit so well. Bro, it was seriously, I was, they're all excited and then you turn it on and you'd see someone trotting a dog around and you just, what else are you going to watch? I'd sit there and just watch it. Back to Monday Night Football I go. Hey, I mean, Vince was upset, but it was nothing but bitches on TV that night. Nothing but bitches. It's crass and unnecessary. (laughs) But factual. Yeah, yeah, guys. Um... Let me get my plugs in real quick. Yeah, man, you read, you read my mind. Go ahead. Get my shit um, in, brother. What's your finish, kid? By the, time, by the time, by the time this uh, this airs, it'll be this coming week, the twenty first. Uh, you can catch me at the Elks Lodge Arena in Sherman, Texas, for Texoma Pro Wrestling. We'll see what uh, we'll see what Barney Boy does and who he chooses to go against my guy. Uh, but it's gonna be fun, man. One thing is for sure. Um, we're going to come out victorious. And I'm going to make an example out of Josh. One way or another, I'm going to embarrass this guy in front of his toxic as hell fanboys. It's crazy. I was talking about this uh, earlier today on another podcast. And, um, you know, I've gotten to a point where, in my mind, almost every fan base in the world is toxic as hell. Um, and, and it's, look at it. And, and you know, guys, Swab, I love you to death. I love you like a brother. You're probably going to take this some sort of way, and I'm sorry. I can't stand Uh-oh. Dallas Cowboys fans. Dallas Cowboys fans have the most toxic fan base in the world. I, I don't follow the Cowboys because of their fans. I don't keep up with them. I don't know who plays. I haven't watched a game because their fans are so... They're, they're not like... I wish. I wish. Like, you, you could have a three-game season, and the next year you're going to the Super Bowl. It's just <laughs> will, freaking crazy. I like accept, I'll accept it based on this fact. The fan base is so large, you can't help but have a percentage of loud vocal morons. Swap, I see you and raise you. There's only one fan base more toxic than Dallas Cowboys fans. Philadelphia. Philadelphia fans. <laughs> Philadelphia is this the it is the open sore of sports culture. <laughs> Well, you got you got your football fans that are toxic as hell, and then you got your pro wrestling fans that are toxic as hell. That you know, like like look at last week, Cody Rhodes loses the match, and the whole world goes nuts. World and of chickens for everybody. This for is your days, daily acknowledgement. <laughs> for days, people were talking about how it should have done. For days, you had seasoned pro wrestlers who know better. 
getting on Facebook and exposing the fuck out of the business <laughs> just so they could cry and whine and complain about the fact that Cody Rhodes won. You know, and I'll put names on it. You got guys like Brent McKenzie out here who calls himself old school super techs, you know, longest reigning MPX champion. And he's sitting here on during WrestleMania all pissed off and that bump looked horrible. This like, you shouldn't be, normal people shouldn't know what a bump is. Like normal Joe, Joe, like consumer who sits at home watching shouldn't know what these inside terms are. And yet you got this guy who's the champion of Matt War Pro exposing the business two days after he won a title just because taking Cody the business kid like uh, people have died over keeping kayfabe and, and and these guys are so mad that Cody Rhodes didn't get to finish his story that they're just gonna throw all that out the window so they can bitch and moan and complain but out of all of them already told the him. most toxic fan base of them all anime fans more specifically Dragon Ball Z fans if y'all only saw my inbox and I haven't even really gone in on this guy yet I can only imagine what happens when I embarrass them in front of all these idiots dude like they're really gonna come after me these motherfuckers are coming after my head these idiots are saying things in the comments and in the inbox that I would never say to my worst enemy and then when I tell them Oh, well, you know what? Come to the show and say it to my face, sweat hog. Oh, well, I'm, I live in England. Oh, well, I'm in Australia. I can't. You come here. Who says that? <laughs> who, said, who, who sits here and talks shit about someone? And then when I say, oh, yeah, well, come to the show. Oh, no, I'm in England. Come here. People without no. transportation say that. <laughs> I want to go to England. I've been there. It sucks. Like, no. Like, I... Right? I, I prefer women with teeth and no body hair. And my wife has teeth and full of no body hair. That's unfortunate. Dude, I'm telling you, British what? women stink. They have no teeth and they're hairy. Fuck that. I'm never going to oh, I was there for eight months and hated it. Talk your talk. Oh, oh man. Oh, I'll yeah, no, so, so stop you when you start lying. Y'all come out Friday, or Friday the 21st. Y'all see me embarrassed. You know, it's crazy too. I'm, I'm marking I my calendar, the, damn it. I, that's it. <laughs> when I cut the promo on this guy, I was wearing a pink vest because, you know, that's some of my swag. I've got a full pink suit. And this idiot's idiot fans were talk, trying to talk shit about my pink suit I was wearing when their hero voices a fat pink alien on TV. My Boo is an overweight pink alien, and his fans are trying to make fun of me for wearing pink in the promo. He wasn't rocking it right. <laughs> Dude. He didn't consult Cameron first. That's, that's obvious. Kill him. You being heelish, heelish. Dude. All, all of my pink suits are killer approved. Come on, let's go. <laughs> right on. Oh, man. Plug the oh, socials, man. Tony Stoke, man. Oh, it's been a great one. Oh, my God. Yeah, Texoma Pro Wrestling. Y'all follow us on YouTube. Texoma Pro Wrestling on YouTube. Uh, we're getting the production fixed to where the episodes are going to be dropping sooner. The most recent one is on there. Um, you guys can see me uh, crack Mr. Wobble with the cane. That was God, I, that feeling. I wish I could bottle it. Man, that was that was your guy, too. You know what? It don't matter because you're still our guy. So, you know, Wobble, you got cracked. It happens. Yeah, dude. Do, do better. Yeah, <laughs> get, it, get it back in blood, my boy. <laughs> Just don't.
Hey, don't touch Tony Snow, man. It's that simple. Don't touch me. Hey, Say wait. whatever you want. Like these fans, this fan threw a freaking bottle at me. Who throws a nah. bottle? It was a full bottle. Nah, that's like, And then his security was escorting him out of the building. I told him he throws like a girl. <laughs> but um, like seriously, dude, like come to the shows, fans. Say whatever you want to me. Tell me I'm ugly. Tell me I stink. I know I'm not, and I know I don't. So it doesn't matter. Well, Say what? Talk about my mama. Say whatever you want, but don't touch me. The I, minute you touch me, or the minute you come across that barricade, all bets Steve. are off. All bets are Steve. off. Dude, I, no, you don't even know. Like, when fans come across the barricade, a lot of these companies, they are old school with it. Like, if you, if you, like, when, when that dude hit me with the bottle, the head of security at WFC is, an, is a wrestling legend, Bernard Funk, okay? He literally brought the dude back to the locker room and asked if I wanted the guys to fuck him up. Like, cause that's how they used to handle it. Like, they're like, you want us to beat him up? You can get a few hits in too. And I'm like, nah, dude, I just don't want him around you. Like guys, don't cross the barricade. Don't touch the talent. It's that simple. You're not gonna like what happens if you do. I, I recall a certain pandemic show that Suave and I attended at, at your invitation, Tony and uh, for some odd reason, we were around people like, oh, I don't know, Kevin Sullivan and Supermax Hernandez and and e even uh, Melina. And for some odd reason, they thought we were here, there to do run-ins. <laughs> so <laughs> if we yeah. if, if we show up at a show where you're at and you're actually there, just just understand that uh, you know we may not be there to run in, but it's going to be a whole lot of fucking gang shit. Guys, guys, you don't even know. Wood will hit that ring like he just got the hot tag of the century, and it super kicks for everyone. You guys should see this man throw super. Kick. I wear a Young size. Bucks. I got a size fourteen too. It's gonna hurt. He actually, he actually taught the Young Bucks how to super kick. He was their trainer. He keeps the low key. But that's the that's the OB. That's the original Buck right there. That's Wood Buck. No, sir. I will not. I will not take Senior that. Senior Buck. He's the one. He's the one that taught them how to slap their leg when they when they kick. We say I'm I'm, I'm I'm Buck Buck. Is that, is that my name? <laughs> you're Buck Buck. Yeah, you guys, you gotta slap, you gotta slap your thigh like this. Like you were the one that was getting the size of the thigh slap down for him. Oh my God, Tony Snow is. Tell me something, y'all. Because we're already behind the curtain here. Why do when these motherfuckers do a super kick? Why do, why does the Usos bring their hand all the way up here and make it obvious when they? Why doesn't anyone slap their inside thigh where it wouldn't be as obvious? Why? Why? Takes takes entirely too much effort. At this point, it's been accepted, so it's like no one cares. <laughs> they just want the sound effect that comes with it. Now they don't care how they get it. They just want. Can the we sound protect effect. the business just a little bit, please? We're just past that. Bit. Yeah, we're we're we're, so we're, we're, we're yeah. That. That, we're, that's undialable. Like yeah, <laughs> the, the business yeah. about to stop before it to be protected again. That's how far gone right. we are. We are so far past. The business being protected the workers please quit using super kicks as a finisher it's not a finishing move anymore i'm sorry it's, it's, it's chris, too far gone chris it's adams is long gone, gone. sean michaels like is long gone as performer it's like a ddt is not a finisher anymore i'm sorry now that i hate i love the ddt as a finisher but yeah the super kick is like a uh collar and elbow tie up <laughs> Yeah, but when people are doing tornado DDTs and getting a one count off of it, the regular DDT is no longer a finish. Yeah, we've got to stop that. We've got to stop that. <laughs> so, so in closing, Barney's a uh, Barney's a bitch. 
and we need and a half. We need to protect the business. We still the ones. Yep. And you can't ban the snowman. That's that's a that's a loaded that's a, it's a loaded deck right mm. there. <laughs> I, I believe this episode will be well titled "Snowed In." <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Especially since you got the the best snowy beard in podcast right here. <laughs> There you go. And the and broadcasting from the snow globe, that's caught on. Even my girl started calling our house the snow globe. Nice. The snow globe. <laughs> snow yeah. globe's official. Yeah. <laughs> the snow globe. Yeah, Tony Earth. Snow, man, we, we, as as always, man, you know, this is home. If no place else is, you don't even have to wipe your feet when you walk through the door. You're welcome anytime, man. We appreciate you. April 21st, Texoma Pro. Oh, we, I owe you something, Snow, and you owe me something. So, if... Like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm 99% sure that I can make Texoma on the 21st, so, so we can, we got a little hand to hand exchange there. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Sure, waiting, man. I also got some stickers for you and some other. Oh, stuff. I got. Oh, I got some heat for you. Just, just you wait. Oh, I got I'm some. Sure. I got some heat for you. I'm sure. I can't wait, bro. Swap. Take it easy on the hand to hand transaction talk. E A. Hey. Oh, oh, and, and and by the way, baseball season started. Typically, I'd be wearing my BPBC hat, but you know, Cubs out here doing damage out here in the NL Central. So, we you know, I got to represent until we get more merch. Yeah, there we go. Suave. Yeah. Take us to the house. Um, for all Cowboy fans with working chromosomes, you're just gonna have to realize there there are a whole lot of us that aren't us. So. We're gonna get we're gonna get filed with some people we don't belong with. But Philadelphia <laughs> is still the worst. It is the it absolute is the worst. It is the black hole of manners and sports culture. <laughs> when when Mattress Mac went up there and was giving away mattresses to the fans, and then they started cursing them out at the game. Like, come on, dude! It's no the same, respect for the it's the same city that booed Santa Claus. That's what's what you get. You see what I'm saying? Like, if it wasn't for the cheesesteaks, we close that place. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Best things that come out of Philadelphia: cheese steaks and the Fresh Prince. <laughs> Boy, talk that talk. You wasted Allen Iverson's career. Just wasted it. Black thoughts to Jim. I'll give him that. Okay, yeah, Black Thought. Yeah, I give him that too. I give him ECW. But as a that was a New York creator though. Hmm. Mm. Oh, then there's that. Uh, I can't think of anything else that's salvageable about Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah, sorry, Mega Ran. We're talking about your hometown. Hey, Mega Ran. That's the, yeah. There you go. Me- you yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, we, you we, put Mega Ran on yeah, the list. Yeah, we yeah. yeah, man. He's a shining light. From, he's a shining light from that hellhole. And he's gay. And, 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 it, and it's, it, I always gay. thought it was ironic. One of the most hateful places in the country. And what do they call themselves? The city of brotherly love. Well, like the city it's of... A, it's a scam as soon as you get there. The city of brotherly stick you up. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, oh, Meek Mill and Benny, Se- Benny Siegel. I, I'll, I'll take one of the two. I knew you would. Shout, shout out to Philly I, Freeway, too. And, I and, wanted and, to be uh, inclusive. And, and Young Chris. I, 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 I rocks with them. Dude, I fuck with, I fuck with Meek Mill whenever I feel like getting yelled at for an hour at a time. <laughs> Like the dude has no chill, no chill. Kevin Hart, yeah, Kevin Hart, yeah, he's okay. Like, all of these people lose points for being Eagles fans. 
So it's like, eh, you are right, but try not to, you know, touch the silverware. <laughs> <laughs> Take us to the house, wow. We, we, we bring out the plastic forks and spoons when they come there out. There you go, paper plates, plasticware, have at it, baby. Oh, red solo cups for you. You don't put your lips on this flatware. These glasses, oh boy. Got some pushes. Heads up, pencils down. Play no games with y'all. Damn it, boy. Worst fans on the planet. The worst, absolute, wherever. New Orleans, worst. <laughs> Fucking all fans in California, worse. Ra- Raider, worse. Raiders fans are still missing Oakland the first time. They're more toxic. Have you have you seen what happens at Raiders and 49ers games? People get stabbed before kickoff. And, and they're closer than Dallas and Fort Worth. What's wrong with them? You feel me? <laughs> Dude, you know what's you funny? Um, one, of, one of my close friends, they live out in Sacramento, and she's a lifelong Niners fan, and her man is a lifelong Raiders fan. I don't understand how that works. How? How? Yeah, that's that's an unhealthy Cause, household. Because y'all gotta figure out where to go for family dinner on holidays, and there's always a game on. Yeah, the, I'm and, with you too because she's an example. San Francisco fans are toxic as hell. Like, it doesn't matter if they win or lose. Every game day, she's wearing her fucking jersey, and whether they win or lose, it's bang bang Niner game, bitches. Bang bang Niner game, bitches. Bang bang Niner game. That bitches. shouts like, out to Money B. That's he, he's a he's a Niner fan from Oakland. That's, to- that's toxic. That's- <laughs> See that that right there? That's creating a toxic environment for another person. You can't label us most toxic. They're just more of us per capita. Oh man. <laughs> we just fit more of these toxic bitches in a hundred and ten thousand seat stadium. That's all. <laughs>